you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of John, to chapter 14. The uh, place where we would go tonight is familiar, probably familiar scripture uh, for us or for you tonight. Um, hopefully, the um, what the Lord would have me to bring tonight would be something, may, maybe it would, maybe... Uh, Somehow the God would use it to spark maybe a little different thought in you or to see some of this in a different way or think about some things that uh, maybe you hadn't thought about before. Um, I would ask, we'll read our scriptures tonight and then we'll go to the Lord together in prayer, but I would ask that you would continue to pray. Uh, just pray that I would bring God's message the way that he'd have me to bring it uh, and just pray, uh, pray for a great moving of his spirit. John chapter 14, the first verse says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe, in, <clears throat> you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day, for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity of giving us together in your house one more time tonight and to worship together and to fellowship together and to lift our voices up to you in praise and give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, for uh, our church family and for each one you've sent our way tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head. We thank you, Lord, for the nation that we live in, the freedom we have to gather here tonight. Uh, without any kind of fear of persecution or repercussion in any way. Uh, God, that's a blessing. Uh, that's something I'm afraid that we take lightly and we take for granted. There's so many people that right now all across the world that do not have the same freedom that we have here tonight. And Lord, we, we thank you for each one over the many years who have fought and who have uh, bled and sacrificed and died so that we could have this freedom. But we know that ultimately it comes from you, because uh, so we give you all of the glory. Lord, I pray tonight that each one of us, as thankful as we are for where we are and the freedom we have, I pray, Lord, that we would not forget what it is that you've done for us. You sent, you gave your only begotten Son, as I preached about this morning, who shed his lifeblood on Calvary's cross for us. When we were, when we were still yet rebelling against you, when we were still yet at odds with you, when we were still yet at enemies of yours, at enemy, as the scripture says with you. I pray, Lord, that we would always have thankful hearts. We would always thank you for the very life that you've given us. And Lord, I pray as we go forward here tonight, Lord, you know our hearts. You know the needs. You know where we stand. You know what we... Uh, what we stand in need of. You know where we fall short. God, there is nothing that is hidden from you here tonight. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that you would move in our midst in a mighty way. God, that you'd have your way and your will here tonight. Lord, that you would show up and do what only you can do here tonight. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, if there's any among us here tonight that doesn't know you, God, let tonight be the night they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. God, if there is any here tonight that have drifted away, fallen away, if there is any that have just grown cold, if there is any that have become indifferent, Lord, if there is any here that's let anything slip into their life, into their mind, into their heart, into their homes that does not belong there, God, I pray tonight you would pour out that old time Holy Ghost conviction upon them, Lord, and that you wouldn't give them any peace until they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. Because our walk with you, our relationship with you is the most important thing. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't forget that and we wouldn't take it for granted. And so, Lord, I'm asking for you to show up and for you to move in a mighty way. And I pray, Lord, for myself. Lord, I just... Forgive me of where I fall short. I feel inadequately prepared. Lord, I'm just asking, Lord, that you would, uh, in spite of my shortcomings, Lord, that you would still move in a mighty way here. And God, that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words, and that you'd place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say tonight. And God, everyone would leave here knowing they've been in your house and knowing that they have heard from you. God, that it is from, uh, Lord, my desire is to preach from my spirit to their spirit, but uh, Lord, it's from you, Lord, the message, the word, and I want them to know that they have heard from you tonight and not from me. Lord, hide me. God, just have your way and your will here in this service, and we'll give you all the glory for it. Lord, we love you. We worship you. And we praise your holy name. I ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, when I think of this passage, this is probably one of the first passages of Scripture that I committed to memory. Uh, this is a comforting passage of Scripture, for me anyways. And when I think of this passage of Scripture, there's one word that comes to mind. And that word is home, right? I mean, when I think about that, really, you think about home. There is hardly a sweeter word in the English language. And, and, and look, maybe not everybody feels that way about the way I do, but I do. I mean, that's the way I think about it. I think of that phrase, uh, you know, home sweet home, right? There's, that's been put on no telling how many signs and then don't tell them how many homes uh, throughout time. Uh, home sweet home. Maybe it's just because I'm a homebody, right? I don't like to be gone. I like to be home. I like my home, you know. I like to sleep in my bed at night. I like to, you know, I, I just do. I'm just, I guess maybe I'm kind of a homebody. But when you think about that and you think about the word home, I, you know, I drove a truck uh, over the road for many years. That, that's what I've tried to do other things, job, career-wise, uh, throughout my life. I've always just come back to, to drive. It's just one of them things that just, some of you know what I mean. It just pulls you back in and sucks you back in. It just does. You know, I, I always use this, and it's kind of, maybe it's kind of an excuse, but I always use this, and 
the reason, the reason it always draws back in is, look, I'm just a dumb old country boy, and uh, I, I can't do anything else where I can make as much money as what I can driving. And I'll get tired of being gone, and, I, and, and I'll, you know, come back and, and throughout my life. It's the way it always was. I get tired of being gone all the time. Uh, and so anyways, I'd get a job back home, and then after a while, uh, you know, thinking about, boy, I could be making a lot better living and so on and so forth. And, and so I'd go back to driving. That was the cycle uh, until God called me to preach, and then that changed things. Right, or really called me to pastor. That, that just completely changed things. You, you can't be gone. You can't drive a truck and be I know, I tried really hard for several years. It just doesn't work. But anyways, the, the thing about being gone and driving, for me anyways, I guess I can only talk, to my, talk about my experience, is I've been all over the country. Uh, I've been to, I guess, 47 of the 50 states. I've delivered everywhere. I've run coast to coast. Uh, I've been, it seems like I've gotten hung up and, and laid over, if you want to call it that. I always called it hung up, but, you know, whatever. Uh, it just about everywhere you can imagine. Uh, and you think, right, you think beforehand, oh, well, I can go out and see all these different parts of the country, experience all these things, and see all these things. And I don't know, you know, there's not, a, there's some that you can see the interstate and from the highway and the places you go, but not that much. The point is, what I'm trying to say here is there's no place like home. There is no feeling, right? I think any, any truck driver here or anybody that's drove much or traveled a lot can tell you there's no feeling like knowing that you're, uh, first of all, it's a good feeling to know that you're loaded up and headed home. And, and, and I'll come back to that loaded up and headed home because I pray all of you are loaded up and headed home, all right? But anyways, I'll come back to that here in a minute. Uh, but anyways, as a, as a truck driver, there's no feeling like knowing that you're loaded up and you're, and you're headed home, right? And, and, but I'm telling you, there is really no feeling like there is whenever you're just about home. And when you're coming home, there is no place like home. And when I think about this passage of Scripture, when Jesus tells his disciples, let not your heart be troubled, it seems like they were concerned about some things, bothered, anxious about some things. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then here's the part I was trying to get at. In my father's house are many mansions. I, I don't know exactly. I, spe- I could speculate what he means by that. Uh, but uh, let me put it this way, right? I mean, you know, for years we take the word mansion and we think, you know, mansion, great big extravagant house. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Uh, I've heard it explained before that it just means, you know, many rooms. Well, mansion has many rooms in it, so maybe that's what it means. I don't know. But look, if you get hung up on that, you're missing the point. What Jesus is saying is there is a home for you in my Father's house, where my Father lives, where He is going. Right? That's what he says. Right? If it were not so, I would have told you. Right? He's saying, I wouldn't lie to you about that. Or I wouldn't lie to you at all is what he's saying. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, right? He's saying, if I'm going and making a way for you to be able to go, I'm not going to just leave you hanging. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Home. He's saying there is a home in heaven for you. There's a place there for you. When I think of home, I think of family. I think of shelter. I think of rest. Look at me. I think of good home cooking too, right? That's one thing you miss a lot when you're out on the road, right? You get tired of eating all that old garbage, you know, day after day after day, right? You look forward to home cooking. That's some of the things that I think about. If you look up the word home in the dictionary, it says an abode, a place of residence, a social unit formed by a family living together. And then the last definition it gives is a destination. Like, I'm going home, right? That's a destination. Or here's another way to put it, use it in baseball, home plate, right? It's a destination. Well, I got three types of home I want to talk about tonight. And I think that definition fits all three types of those homes that I want to tell you about tonight. And I'm telling you this, and I think every one of us leaving here, you ought to have all three of these homes that I'm going to talk about tonight. So let's talk about the first one. I said just a minute ago, right, uh, that uh, using kind of my trucking analogy, I hope that every one of you are loaded up and headed home. Right? The first home I want to talk about is a heavenly home. What I, what I mean by that is, is I, my prayer and hope is, is that I preach this morning, are you ready? That's my hope and prayer is that you are ready. And if God was to call your name tonight, if he was to call you before you ever left here, right? We could say that he called you home, right? I, I, look, I pray that you're ready. And hopefully this heavenly home, right, this place that Jesus is talking about, is where you'll go when you die. And if you're ready, that's exactly what will happen. I mean, because you do know that death is not the end, right? You do know that death is not the end. A lot of people believe that death ends it all. It amazes me today how many people believe. It doesn't come natural for them to believe this. As a matter of fact, they have to fight against every instinct that they have to believe this, right? But so many people believe today that whenever they close their eyes for the, la- for the last time, that that's it. It just lights out. It's just, you know, nothing after that. That that's it. They just cease to exist. Uh, I know I can tell you uh, for sure that believing that, now there's a lot of people that believe that. But let me tell you also that it actively takes a lot of work to believe that. And it takes a lot of continually convincing yourself to believe that. You know how I can tell you with such a surety? Is I believed that for a long time. I believed that for a long time. I sure did. Hey, listen, I've told you over and over. It wasn't like I was raised in church and I was really taught from a young age, you know. I, I mean, I had uh, had experiences like I talked about this morning, uh, but listen to me, right? I kept trying to convince myself of that, right? Then if you take that attitude, then you might as well live it up. You might as well party. You might 
well have all the fun that you can. While you're here, you might as well do whatever it is that you can get away with, right? Because if you can get away with it, then there's no consequences at all, right? So anyways, there is a lot of the world. It surprises me. How many, how many people in the world today work so hard to convince themselves that whenever somebody dies, that's it. There's nothing after that. Listen to me. That is not right. God's put something inside of you that is telling you that's what you're fighting against when you're trying to make yourself believe that. That that's not right. Death is not the end. Listen, the ones that have convinced themselves of that and have, went and have done that uh, so that they could have pleasure and sin for a season, that have done that so they could do whatever they want and live however they want, they are going to be in for a rude awakening. Because there is a day of reckoning coming. Listen to me. Whenever each person, when each life is formed, right? Whenever it, whenever, whenever, uh, it comes together and it is formed in the womb, right? That God has created there or what is created there and God has created is an eternal soul and it will spend all of eternity somewhere. And the scripture makes it clear to us. There is only two destinations. There is not a halfway house in between where, where you can hang out there for a while and suffer a little bit and be prayed out. No, 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 no. It is either heaven or hell, right? You better make your preparations here. You better be ready now and you better make sure that you're ready. Listen to me. I said, I thought everybody ought to have three homes. The first home that you ought to have is you ought to have a heavenly home. Now, now listen, it's the cheapest home you'll ever purchase. You'll not have to go to the bank and take out a loan for it. <laughs> you won't have to. You won't have to save no money to buy it. You won't have to work yourself to death making mortgage payments. You won't have to... Listen, I got, even, I got some better news for you, Scott. You'll not have to pay property taxes on it. Hallelujah! That ought to make you shout, Glory to God! <laughs> Do you not know that we have a heavenly home? Hallelujah! That Jesus went to prepare for us, right? That's what he's talking about when he said, I went and prepare a place, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, hallelujah! He said he's going to come back and receive us unto himself that where he is, we may be also. He's going to give us a ride there. Isn't that what he's saying? He's making, I'm being silly now. He's making, he's making a way for us. He has made a way for us. It's the way I should say that. I told you just a second ago that once a life is conceived, that person will live forever somewhere. I told you there's only two choices where that somewhere will be. That's because God created us as an eternal being. Right? The scripture makes it clear. There's some that like to believe that if, you, uh, that if you go to hell, if you reject Jesus and go to hell, that that's only a temporary punishment. And then you'll be burned up and it's temporary and then that's it. You lights out no more. 
That's not what the scripture tells us. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible makes it clear that it's an eternal, or an eternal uh, torment, right? That it is without end, uh, forever and ever and ever, right? And so your, your, your soul will spend all of eternity, right? Either in heaven or hell. And I mentioned to you, I read to you the scriptures that Jesus went to prepare a place for us. Listen, only those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life will be allowed into heaven. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Read that for yourself. You'll see where the books are opened at the great white throne judgment. You'll see where they'll go through, right? And it's only the ones that are written in the Lamb's book that have a place in heaven, that have a home. You know what I have found is pretty much everybody wants to go to heaven. I mean, if you just get down and get real serious with them, everybody wants to go to heaven. But nobody wants to do what they need to do in order to get there. I, I told you, you, wouldn't, you can't buy your way in, right? You, 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 you can't go to the bank and borrow enough money to, or anything like that. But there is some things that you need to do. But it's pretty simple. I, I've heard it put this way. I've heard it put so simple as it's as simple as the ABCs. It's kind of a, I don't know, one of them things that maybe it's a little silly, but yet it's easy to remember, right? The ABCs, admit, believe, and confess, right? I mean, the first thing is you've got to admit, right? You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to admit that you're lost, right? You've got to recognize your loss before anything else can happen. You've got to, what, in other words, what you're doing is you're admitting the need for a Savior, for somebody to pay your sin debt for you, right? A debt you could never pay in a million years. And then, what do you got to do? You got to believe. You got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He come and that He died on Calvary's cross for your sins and for my sins, for the sins of the world. That He shed His life's blood. Glory to God and one drop of it is enough to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just me and not just me and you, but from everyone from the beginning of time to the end of time. And you've got to, con- another part of that is you've got to confess. Right? There's no salvation without repentance. Right? Repenting, repentance is literally the word repent means to turn. Right? It's to turn from sin, turn from wickedness, turn from the world, and turn to God. Right? It, it is confessing, it is admitting, right? And it is believing. Please, 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 please understand this. That every single person have got to make their own preparations, right? If you are going to make it to heaven, and if and if you are going to have a home in heaven and and make that your eternal abode, you have got to make your own preparations. It amazes me. Uh, I, I'll say this, and then I'll move on. It amazes me. Memorial Day was just this last Monday. Um, I didn't. I should have, but I didn't go around to the graves this year like, like we, I do a lot of years. And that's something I always enjoyed doing. My grandma used to take me with her whenever I was a young child. 
And, and I always enjoyed, of course, I enjoyed going, and, and she was always, you know, taking care of, of uh, uh, gravestones, the headstones of family members, and putting out flowers, and, and, uh, and things like that, and, and uh, uh, you know, just, just keeping those things up. And, and uh, I always enjoyed that, but I enjoyed going around and just looking at all the different, uh, you know, headstones and things like that. And she, you know, seemed like she knew a lot about everybody, and she could tell me a lot of, you know, a lot of things about different people that had passed on and things like that. One thing that I've noticed that has become, I mean, I, I reckon people have probably always done it. Well, I know they have. Because I know that a little over 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Joseph of Arimathea that done just exactly what I'm talking about. But it seems like it's more common today, is people will make preparations for their death because they know that their death is inevitable, right? And so they'll, it's, I mean, probably many of you guys have not only got grave plots, but you've got a headstone out there that has your name on it already, right? It's probably got your name on it, and it's got your year of birth, but it doesn't have the year of death yet because you don't know when you're going to die. You know that you're going to die, right? That's why you did that. You know that it's inevitable. You made preparations because you know that you're, not gonna, that you're gonna die one day. This whole body is going to quit breathing and pumping blood one day. And, it, and, and that's more common. I feel like, I recognize that I see it more now. You know, used to, it seems like when I was a kid, you only saw that when one spouse had passed away. But if you go look around now, it surprises me how many where neither spouse has passed away yet, but they both got their spot and got everything. They've made preparations, they've taken care of it, they've made it easy for their family and their kids, and that's fantastic, that's great. But it's sad how many you make preparations for death because they know it's inevitable, but they make no preparations whatsoever for what is going to come next. You are going to have to stand before an almighty God in judgment, glory to God. And there is only one way you'll not be able able to stand there and justify your deeds. You'll not be able to justify your actions. You'll not be able to stand there and make excuses, right? You'll not be able to stand there and say, well, I didn't know any better, or well, it was, you know, society's fault, or it was my folks' fault, or, you know, I, I had this awful wife, or uh, not that I do, but, you know, somebody else may have, but, you know, something like that. And, and, there, and God in judgment is not going to say, yeah, you had a rough lot of it. Uh, you'll be all right. You know, we'll, we'll let it slide. No. He's already shown you grace and or mercy and grace. Right? He already sent Jesus to die. Right? If I keep reading in this chapter, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is only one way to make it to heaven, right? There's only one way to have that heavenly home and make it there and spend an eternity there. And that is through Jesus. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus, right? That's it. There's no other way. He is the only way. There's so many in the world that want to tell you, right, that want you to believe that you can do your own thing, you can just try to be a good person, not hurt anybody or do harm to anybody else, not offend anybody else, just quietly, I guess they just want you to quietly uh, go through life, right, without nudging anybody along the way or upsetting anybody along the way. But 
listen to me. I'm not sure that's possible, but even if it was, that's not how you get to heaven. That's not the way that Jesus is talking about, right? The very next verse is Thomas questioning him about this way. Jesus tells him, or not the next verse, two verses later, but Jesus in the next verse says, you know the way. And then Thomas says, what are you talking about? There is no other way but Jesus. So my prayer for you, first of all tonight, my hope is that you've made preparations. Right? What I said well ago. Man, there ain't no feeling like knowing that you're loaded up and headed home. Right? There's nothing between you and home but just a little bit of time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Church, we could stop right there and just shout tonight and sing a little more and go home, and that'd be good. But I got two more homes I want to talk about. So, first of all, a heavenly home. Most importantly, a heavenly home. But the second one I want to mention to you quickly here tonight is a Christian home. Right? If you have made preparations, if you have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You have confessed Him. You have called upon Him. You have turned from your old ways to your new ways, or to, to God's way, not your ways, but God's way. And you have turned towards God. You know what has happened. God has, He's created a new person in you, or out of you, right? Uh, he's given you a new heart. Hallelujah. Uh, you're not who you used to be. His Spirit has come and resided within you, right? He has given you His Holy Spirit. And you are a new creature in Christ. You're a new person. You ain't like the same person that you used to be. You don't talk the same way that you used to. You don't do the same things that you used to do. You don't have the same wants that you used to have, right? Uh, you've got a different outlook on things. You see things differently. The things that used to entertain you don't entertain you anymore, right? Things are different. You're a new person. You're a new creature in Christ. And you know what else ought to change? Your home. Your home, right? The second home every Christian ought to have is a Christian home. This is where your day will start and this is where it will end. This is where you raise your family. And if your kids are already raised, then this is, this is where your grandkids come to or your neighbors or your uh, you know, nieces and nephews or whatever it is, friends and family. This is your Safe haven from a troubled world. Home is a place of security. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of happiness. A Christian's home, not only should it look different than, than the world's home, but it should feel different too. It, listen, let me just say this. The kind of good Christian home I'm talking about, it doesn't just happen by accident. It don't. That's the kind of home that you have got to build. You have got to intentionally develop that Christian home, right? You've got to spend some time in prayer. Hey, you've got to be mindful of, uh, you know, look, just take a look around and ask the Lord to open your eyes, right? You might see some things that uh, happen ought to be in a Christian home. A Christian home, here's the main thing, here is the main difference. Here's what, I could give you all kinds of little practical suggestions and none of that means near as much as this. A Christian home 
must have Jesus Christ as the main focus. That's the secret. That's the key. That's the difference. Jesus is the focus. He's the focus of what you do there. He's the focus. You look around. He is the focus, right? And, and listen to me. Your home will only be as strong as its foundation. You can go. We'll study about that in our Bible study when we get there in Matthew chapter seven here in just a little bit, right? The home must be built on Jesus and nothing else. That's the bottom line. And then let me mention a third one real quick. Every Christian. They need a church home. Every family should be. No, let me make this stronger. Every Christian, every Christian family, if you are going to be spiritually healthy, Not only should you be, you must be in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. I look across our land, I look right around our own community, and that is one thing that really stands out to me. It's not a lack of churches, because we've got them in every corner around here. But it, we, but it is becoming gradually, right? I used to be able to tell people, um, and I still do, but maybe I shouldn't as much as I used to, that there's a lot of good churches here in Mountain Grove, and there is quite a few good churches here in Mountain Grove, but there's getting to be more and more churches that, are, that you really honestly cannot say that about them. It is becoming more and more popular to teach itching ears. It is becoming more and more popular to look the other way at sin. It's becoming more and more popular to water down the Word of God. It's becoming more and more popular, right, to, uh, to do whatever you can to put seats in the pews uh, and, and whatever you've got to say to do that, well, then you figure out a way to justify saying and doing those things, right? It's becoming more and more. Listen to me. I've always said this. I, I didn't think about it until just now, and I didn't, didn't intend for the, it to go together like this, but Lord, do with it what he will. I've always said somebody lost comes into our church. They need to feel welcome. They need to know that we want them here. You need to go out of your way to make sure that they feel welcome, right? They, they should never be able just to slip in and out unnoticed. I don't care how late they come in and how early they leave, right? They should be somebody. Whoever's back there in the back, tackle them on the way. Well, don't tackle them, but, you know, talk to them for a minute, you know. We need to go out of their way to know that they're welcome. But they should never, ever. I'm, and I lost person. I said lost. Somebody who is lost and undone and without Christ, they should never ever be able to come in here and sit down in the pew and feel at home. 
Right? The Spirit of God ought to be moving here. There ought to be conviction on them. The Word of God should be going forward, right? Uh, they, I mean, that they just cannot. Hey, I remember, I remember the, the I, <laughs> oh, I remember whenever I went in and I was lost, right? And I can remember the Spirit of God dealing with me. I remember well the night that I got saved, right? And God was, was dealing with me and I was going to have to make a move, right? The Spirit of God was there and He was... And there was no way. I knew I was welcome there, but I wasn't at home comfortable in that sense, right? I had to make a change. And when I did, I, right, I made the decision that night to get saved and come to the front and did just that. And whenever I got saved, you wouldn't believe. Well, yeah, you would. You've been there before. The difference that it makes. Anyways, it is a must. It's becoming more popular. Uh, man, I notice say some people. Now, I just got done talking about the bad churches. How about I talk about the bad Christians? Well, let's just be honest and let's be fair and let's be real. There are some people that ain't happy no matter what. They're always going to find... You know what I'm saying? There just is. I, I, I literally know people like this. If you was to give them a million dollars, they'd write and complain about the taxes they had to pay on it. All right? I said that every Christian ought to have a church home. And it's got to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching, Christ-centered and focused church. That's what it, all of it has got to be about. That's what the music has got to be about. That's what the preaching has got to be about. Whatever activities the church does, right, whatever things that they do, it's got to be focused, right, on Christ, right, and on what He is doing, right, on what God is doing. It has got to be focused on growing the kingdom of God and adding souls to the kingdom. It's too easy to get focused on growing our own organization, right, and making our own little kingdom right here, right? Cornerstone, if we're not careful, we'll get into that and we'll do that and we'll be concerned about growing our our little kingdom and it'll be us against everybody else and we're just trying to get who we can right that's not what it's about it's about growing the kingdom of God adding souls to the kingdom of God and there is a lot of other good brothers and, uh, and sisters in Christ right that we are laboring together maybe worship somewhere else but we are working together right to see souls added to the kingdom of God and if the church Right, your church home, if that's the focus and that is what is happening there, there's going to be bumps along the way. There's going to be disagreements and issues along the way. I like to say it this way. They're it, talking about church with a little c, meaning local congregations, there is no perfect church. Now, church with a capital C, right, the body of Christ, it is perfect, obviously. But I'm talking about like us here at Cornerstone, local congregations. There is no perfect church. 
And if you ever happen to stumble across one, please do those people a favor and leave immediately. Because you or I showing up there is going to make it imperfect, right? That's a joke. But the point is, is there's not. There's going to be people, right, that you're not, you know, and we have got to put our own, our own preferences, because that's really what it is. We have to put our own preferences aside, and we have got to come together in one mind, and that is the mind of Christ, focused on doing one thing, and that is fulfilling the commission that God has given us, right, doing His will, right, which is pretty simple. I like to say it this way, adding souls to the kingdom of God. So, every Christian, they need a church home. Can I say it this way? This church home, this is where your week should start. Sunday is the first day of the week. We give the Lord the first day of the week. We no longer give Him the last day, the seventh day, right? There come a point in time where that changed, right? We're under a new covenant now. Now we meet together on the Lord's day, which is the first day of the week. We give God that day. We spend that day in worship and in in fellowship and in study of His Word. We spend that, right, serving Him in the manner that we are doing here today. And this ought to be the place, right, where you start, uh, where your week starts, right? This This is where your best friends should come from, right? Your church should be a little bit of heaven on earth. It's a spiritual filling station where you get nourishment for your soul. Listen to me. I said this a minute ago. Let me say it another way. The church is not some, there should not be some man-made organization. It is a God-ordained organism. The local church is God's plan, right? And it's His will that every single believer should be a part of it, right? And the right church will have the right purpose, right? Which is what I was saying a minute ago. The Great Commission, right? Which is to help every person make sure that they have a heavenly home. And this church that I'm talking about, this church home, it's going to help encourage those Christians. And teach them how to have that Christian home that I was talking about. While they are waiting to go to their heavenly home. So, let me end with this. The definition of home. Remember what I said? It's an abode. Place of residence. A social unit formed by a family living together. A destination. Sadly, most homes in America today are many homes. Probably it's all, probably it's right to say most homes is dysfunctional. But listen to me. Hopefully yours is not. But if it is, it doesn't have to be any longer, right? I mean, sin no longer has bondage over you. It has been broken. That's Romans chapter six. And the right church, the right church home is what I'm talking about. It'll help you have a Christian home. 
in a heavenly home. So, let me ask you this. Same question I asked you this morning. I'm just saying it in a different way now. Do you know for sure that you have a heavenly home? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? What about your home where you go to like when you're leaving here tonight? Is your home a Christian home? Let me put it to you this way. If a stranger come to your house and you invited them in and they spent a little bit of time there with you, would they recognize it as a Christian home? The last one I preached about a church home. Do you have a church home? Are you active in it? Listen to me. Your church home should be a place where you're challenged to stay active for God. To stay active, sharing his word, sharing his gospel, being his hands and feet, right? Where you're active out, uh, about the business, right? Fulfilling the calling that God has given you, right? You know God's placed a calling on each and every one of us, right? And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, right? He's got something for us to do. You don't all of a sudden get to the place where you just get to kick back and sit back and do nothing. That's another one of the things that creep into our churches, right? I think maybe our pastors get that away and, and we let and we just let it go on that way, but we where where we just feel complacent with how things are and we're ready to just drift through the rest of our life. So as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation. Let me just ask the question again. What does home mean to you? What all kind of homes do you have? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you opportunity to come tonight. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come tonight? Uh, if you'd like prayer, would you come tonight? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity, right? If you've got a need, it, maybe, uh, maybe you realize you're not where you ought to be t uh, tonight. You're not, you're not doing what you ought to be or you're not where you ought to be with the Lord or you've drifted away or maybe you realize tonight that you've never been where you ought to be. I'm begging you, come tonight before it's everlasting too late. If you've got a burden, would you come tonight? If you've got a need, would you come tonight? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come tonight? Would you come?